Welcome to another Mother Runner. This is Sarah Bowen Shea. I am joined today by the lovely Tish Hamilton. Hello, Tish. Hi, Sarah. How are things out there on the East Coast? Well, it's quite cold out here on the East Coast. When I ran with my uh, dear friend, also known as Fast Teacher Friend, this morning yes. it was 20 degrees. Oh, my and, gosh. Um, yes. <laughs> and we were actually talking about you because um, Fast Teacher Friend is tall uh-huh. And she is uh, in desperate need of, of more thick tights, but oh. she has the struggle of finding ones that are long enough to come to her ankles. And uh. being five foot three, I don't understand this at all. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not helpful. I don't have any answers. I know not what you speak of. I, do. I know. Uh, <laughs> so, um, well, Dim would be the better one to answer, not only because she is the taller of us two, but um, that she does wear full-length tights, whereas I don't even, ah. I, run, I run in capris, but I know that certainly Athleta and Lululemon do long. Um, yeah, that's a good t- tip. Tights, and, you know, both those do different weights. And in particular, I would think she could find ones that are, um, you know, flat on the outside, but then fleecy on the inside. Yeah, that sounds cozy. You know, yeah. our, our Capri window here on the East Coast is very, very narrow. Like we only have like one or two weeks where we can wear Capris. That's it's either so, really hot or really cold. That's so fine because we were, um, so Dimity and our director of marketing, Katie and I were at an, um, a trade show last week called The Running Event, real creative name there. And uh, th- we talked with, a company that does custom prints and so we were and they can do like um, panels on the outside of capris or tights that then are pockets like our beloved Saucony bullet capris and dim was like oh my gosh these would be so cute if we could do some you know kind of like our shoes you know that type of thing and so we were debating then i was just yesterday talking to the company and and tights capris katie was like oh the shorts were really cute and i'm like no 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 no, capris i mean you can wear capris year-round <laughs> maybe in portland oregon you can <laughs> all right that's interesting perspective yes <laughs> i mean what i wear um see i suspect that you don't suffer that much from chafing so that I wear, you know, even in that hot, hot, the two hot Boston's that I did, I wore capris because, man, I've learned my lesson the hard way running a marathon without, you know, with the shorts or a skirt on. And, ooh, ooh, the thighs get very angry to each other. <laughs> um, so I wear capris, you know, on long training runs when I run, if I'm training for a fall marathon, I'll wear them in August, get a really attractive tan line. Um, yeah. Yeah, you know what? I I wear the ones that um that come like they don't come quite all the way down to your knee. They're sort of like uh, bike bike length tight. Yeah, you yeah, know, yeah, yeah. that kind of short when it's in the you know above seventy degrees, which it is pretty much you know a a lot of the summer training for a fall marathon. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, different perspective. The the you know, yeah. and those shorts on me might not be long enough to stop the chafing. You know? That's right. You're too tall. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. Well, um, I'm excited today. Uh, this evening, my 13 year old son, John and I are going to a dance performance, um, a professional dance, watching a professional dance performance. He's the child that is totally into dance in my household. 
And well, that sounds that sounds awesome. Is it is it the Nutcracker? It's that time of year. It it is not the. I have to. Is it against the law that I say it that I totally don't enjoy the Nutcracker? Um, um, no, it's. I mean, whoops, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I, how lucky for you that you can see something besides the Nutcracker. Yes, yes. Um, it, <laughs> Which you've probably um, already seen a few times in your life. It is, and it's, gosh, the Nutcracker's so long. And so yeah. this one, this one, I don't think really has much of a holiday bent to it. It is called Wolf Tales, and it is um, kind of retelling um, morphed fairy tales. And so, for instance, the they're doing um, Little Red riding hood but done all with all the dancers in that segment are male and um oh, so, cool yeah i know that was that was they, they enumerated them and that was the first time i'm like i'm in i'm totally in on that yeah. one <laughs> and um and then the clincher was it said this show is one hour long with no intermission i'm like uh, sign me up <laughs> really that's awesome <laughs> yeah yeah so and you know it's a it's a, we're recording this on thursday it's a school night so then and you know i i'm i turn into a pumpkin after a certain time of night so which is in keeping with the the fairy tale theme i guess so likewise. Yeah, yeah. So, um, do you are do you have anything special planned with your daughter? Uh, well, we um, as it as it happens, we're tonight is her um, choral holiday concert. Mm -hmm. uh, so, so that's what we're up to tonight. And yeah. this is her first year in high school, so oh. uh, it's her first year doing the high school concert. And they actually have um, for the the choral groups high school age she has to wear this uh dress that, that we had to buy which is oh. um you know which is like a floor length thing mm -hmm. you know it's mm -hmm. like a yep. yeah. recital gown what do you call those things anyway um, and it was and, and speaking of tall and short she's only five one and the thing was like you know it was it was long enough for dimity <laughs> <laughs> Did you have to, so you had to get hemmed or <laughs> yeah yeah we had to staple? get it taken we had to go to a, like and we're like yeah no we went to a tailor it was like baby we had to cut half of it off <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and there's is there any way that like the graduating seniors can then pass down their gowns oh, look at you thinking like a recycler reuser yeah. that would have been genius <laughs> <laughs> well, because what are they going to do with that? It's not like, you know, I don't, it's not like they'd wear them to a college formal, really, would they? I right. Would no, no. They would kind of, yeah. they, in their mind, it's like, oh, worn this thing a dozen times, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah, I guess, I suppose it's, it's black. And so if you continue singing in college, you probably could use it as in a formal occasion like that. But sure. But sure. anyway, that's, that's a few years off for us. Uh-huh. One, well, one choral concert at a time. <laughs> Although I'm sure you're hoping to get your money's worth, so you hope there are more choral concerts oh, after. Oh, no, she has to stay in chorus through, through the entire high school career, yes. <laughs> right, right. But I think uh, sound-wise, this is going to be a big step up from middle school. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And she said, actually, that last night they were they were practicing with the with the seniors, and they have, like, you know, the three levels, and they, they were practicing with the the senior kids who are in the highest level of, of uh, the choral groups. And she's like, Oh, so that's what real singing sounds like. <laughs> oh, my, oh my goodness. Um, I'm going to have maybe perhaps a slightly similar situation. The John Daphne, my eighth grade twins 
were in their school musical. And it's a uh, show that has only been done professionally once and, and the twin school was the first school to do it. And so, but now a parochial high school in Portland is going to be doing that musical this spring. And so I'm like, Oh, I got to go see it to, you know, compare how a middle school performance versus a high school performance. And I, I, I actually said to someone, I think said, Oh, I think the singing will be much better at the high school level, but I don't know, the, the theme of that whole play was very much in line with the kids kind of alternative arts focus middle school. So I think mm-hmm. um, it'll ring kind of the, the subject matter will ring a little more true than it will be at a parochial high school, but, but we'll see. So yeah, very interesting to compare. Yeah, you know, because seeing it four times with the twins in it wasn't enough. I need to that see wasn't it. enough. <laughs> I need to see it a fifth time. Oh my, gosh. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. So um let's talk about how how is your long distance relationship going? Your your boyfriend uh moved to is it Savannah, right? Savannah, indeed. And um the good news is Savannah is a really nice place to, to visit. <laughs> um <laughs> Um, I mean, as is the boyfriend, sorry, boyfriend, um, <laughs> uh, but you know, it's hard, it's, it's hard to, um, doing the travel. Like I was actually down there this past weekend and, uh, I flew down on Friday night and flying Friday night from Newark, New Jersey. Anybody out there listening to this knows where I'm going with this. Uh, you know, of course there are delays, you know, uh-huh, sure. Friday in December, there's, there are always delays. Well, I, I don't think I've flown there one time where it's been on time both ways oh my gosh wow wow so you just kind of have to accept that and and bring a book and snacks (laughs) make sure you've downloaded things onto netflix before you walk onto the plane i've made that absolutely way too many times being like yeah no you know bogo you know (laughs) wongo whatever that thing go bingo uh wi-fi is not going to allow me to download onto netflix oh my gosh wow wow so yeah. um so when did he when did he move down there? How long has he been gone? He 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 moved in July. So oh. we've been um, you know, he comes up or I go down, you know, once or twice a month. And actually this past weekend I was there for and uh there was a race, a ten K race that goes up and over um a bridge. Savannah is uh the like third or fourth largest port in the United States. So it has this yeah. one of these big high bridges so the big ships can go underneath it. Right, right. Um, so, and there's no hills other than that bridge in all of Savannah. <laughs> so, um, it was this 10K race where you start on one side and run to the other side, and then kind of do a clover leaf and come back over. Um, oh my goodness! So that was uh-huh. that was kind of a cool thing to do. Uh-huh. And uh, my boyfriend, whose name is Rick, Rick is terrified of heights. Um, no. So it was okay. it was it was a really big deal for him to do this race to to. <laughs> you know, like get over it, like literally and figuratively. Right, right. <laughs> um, <laughs> so it was a big breakthrough for him, for him to get over the bridge. So, and that, oh was, that was a lot of fun. Oh, good. Good. Now, do you two, did you run the race literally together side by side or is it like, no, hey, please. No. Silly Sarah. <laughs> <laughs> that was so two years ago in our relationship, Sarah, we are like separate. <laughs> that would, that sounds horrible. <laughs> <laughs> to each her own, to each her own. Um, I agree, but you know, there are people, 
who might enjoy that. Yeah, you know, our, our fitness is rarely at the same level. So, you know, a year or two ago, he would have beaten me. But right now, I just came off a marathon, so I'm in really good shape. And so, I, uh-huh. I you know, I was ahead of him. And I'm not uh-huh. waiting around because I know he wouldn't wait around for me if, if he were in better shape. <laughs> I just thought maybe you'd want to, like, hold his hand, you know, as you're going. <laughs> it's okay, Rick. Oh, it's okay. Yeah. The bridge is very secure. Don't worry, honey. <laughs> Because I can see that's so you, Tish, you know, to do that. <laughs> I'm, I'm so nurturing. <laughs> it's good we're both laughing. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Now, you know, there are plenty of people in this race to be barriers in between me and uh, him and the and the edge of the bridge. So the, sure. The, um, the, the barrier that is there is not that high. Uh, mm-hmm. And so that's part of the reason why he's he's nervous about it because he's tall like you guys uh-huh. um, i'm like what's the problem here i can't see over that thing <laughs> i mean while it's knee height he's like oh my gosh all i need to be is jostled i'm over the edge exactly <laughs> and aaron's elbow and i'm i'm in the drink exactly <laughs> oh my gosh but you all convened in the finish area right and then yeah I don't know. yeah yes okay yeah. had some milk or a beer or something like that together <laughs> exactly <laughs> yeah yeah um well i'm actually uh flying to savannah in february um because we i am in i am doing a site visit to hilton head to see if it's a place we want to have a 2020 retreat at um cool so, yeah yeah yeah. It's the first time i'm mentioning it. i've i've I barely just told Dimity about it. So, uh, <laughs> but um, I have, I'm friends with a guy who works at a property out there. He represents a whole bunch of properties. And um, I just think Hilton Head has the same type of cachet that um, Cape Cod has and the same type of appeal, particularly at the time of year we'd be going, which would be early February. So I'm flying directly from our retreat in Rancho La Puerta to Savannah because I will already be. Uh, you know, I'll be south what, 1500 miles or something from Portland, San Diego already. So I'm just going to then fly to Savannah because we would be in conjunction with the Hilton Head Marathon. And it's that weekend that I'll be there. So I want to, and it's on Saturday. So I'll check out the race and the property and some restaurants. And I'm very excited. I've never been to Hilton Head. Oh, it's very nice. You'll, you'll have a good time and you'll eat some good food. So I'm sure you'll have, you'll, you'll enjoy it. Yeah, yeah. So, and uh, Savannah's one that you can fly into there, or is it Charleston, I think might be the other option that you can fly into. But, um, so I'm flying into Savannah and then heading over to Hilton Head from there. So, but right, I've been- not far. Yeah, I've been to Savannah. My um, brother's um, first wedding was there and his first wife was from Savannah. Um, so it's a lovely and, place. And you're getting ready to fly someplace pretty spectacular soon. I am, as a matter of fact. Um, the whole family, we are going to Europe for the extended holiday winter break. And so we leave on December 16th. We fly nonstop to Amsterdam, which you can do from Portland because Nike's European headquarters is in Amsterdam. So they are pulling some airline strings to get that nonstop. And so we will spend three days in Amsterdam and then four days in Paris. And then I want to uh, have the possibility of seeing some sunshine so then we were going to six days in Athens, which I have never been to Greece. So I'm very excited. I'm excited for the entire trip, but particularly excited to go to Athens. That so. is that is so awesome. That's a fantastic trip. And I imagine it must have been quite the challenge to uh, to arrange all of that for um, <laughs> for a 
long time in a big family. I mean, it's so much easier with just me and Nino. Like, okay, let's go here. Okay, done. Right. Oh, no, I was playing the um, the airline ticket like lottery basically and yeah oh my gosh and I did find I waited like I I literally was perspiring and thinking I believe it (laughs) okay okay I'm gonna throw the dice again and hopefully the price will drop tomorrow and sure enough and that move ended up saving us fifteen hundred dollars yeah um yeah so and the kids are very excited my children have never been off the continent the North American continent so all right so for some reason, they're really fixated on, on that fact. <laughs> um, but oh my gosh, this is um, a case of um, a parent thinking very differently from children in that, um, so Jack and I have been, we've been to Amsterdam once and we've been to Paris several times and he and I traveled around the world in 2000. And so we've done our fair share of traveling. And so yesterday he said, <laughs> when we sat down to dinner, he goes, oh yeah, okay. So he asked about some specific museum and I was like oh I don't know if we'll get to that one he goes oh I'm planning on us going to three or four museums a day I'm like oh my (laughs) right right (laughs) I said Jack remember we talked about this it's different when you travel with children he's like and he thought I meant like that they wouldn't enjoy all the different museums I'm like no they might but the fact is is that like they're going to want to sleep in and stop and look at that you know Pokemon store, you know, a Parisian Pokemon store. I don't know what they'll want to look at, but just like, no, no, like two <laughs> oh a day would be like, over. Who's, who's we are going to three museums. Right. I don't think so. I know. That's why. Oh, and he had asked me earlier, like, oh, do you think the kids are going to want to see Napoleon's tomb? No, I don't think the kids are going to want to see Napoleon's no. tomb. No, who Napoleon is? <laughs> <laughs> and then, oh and my then, and so then Mark said something about the museums he goes oh come on the kids are going to love the Rodin uh sculpture museum mm. I'm like, oh. <laughs> yeah, no so um they they are very excited to see the Louvre which they call I forget how they sort of pronounce it uh, the Lavra. that's what they, uh-huh. they're really excited to go to Lavra. yeah <laughs> um but yeah yeah, so I'm so um, I'm managing everyone's expectations on that, including my. That's husband. very smart. That's yes. very smart. Yes. So, <laughs> um, and I should mention that um, uh, for people who are wondering what's happening with Augie while we're gone, um, Alex, the podcast producer, is going to be taking care of um, Augie and Miller for the first week we're gone, and he is. Um, as I've mentioned before, this podcast is recorded in a studio, but it is also known as the guest bedroom of my house. And so, <laughs> so I told Alex the last time he was over to record a podcast, I said, well, Alex, you know, like, I'll totally change the sheets on, you know, our, our master bed. You know, he goes, oh, no, I'm planning on staying in the guest bedroom. I'm like, okay, like right next to all the recording equipment. <laughs> 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 it's like he lives and works in a, a studio apartment or something <laughs> so um yeah so but it is nice to have somebody stay with stay with a dog and in your house that really is <laughs> thanks alex i'm saying it for you <laughs> oh pretty I'm cool so, i'm so grateful well it's his dream to own a french bulldog named augie so and my dog is a French bulldog named Augie. So uh, and he, he and loves I our... just saw I just saw photos of of Augie recently for the first time and he's yeah. so cute. 
I love him too. Oh, thank you. I love him too. And he's such a dear heart. Um, so, um, and then the, um, the, uh, after Alex is, uh, goes on a big family trip every year. Um, they go to some house by a river or something like that. And so then Molly's oldest daughter who just graduated is graduating college this, um, month she is going to take Alex's place, although she is going to stay in our guest bed, or our, sorry, our master bed. And um, so she, and sometimes her boyfriend will be taking care of Augie. So I try to tell myself that he is going to have a very good time while we're gone. And he will have a good time. Point. Oh, good. Yeah, I hope so. I hope so. I'm gonna He'll be fine. Him. I'm going to miss him something bad. <laughs> <laughs> So, um, well, I know that we are doing this on your lunchtime, so I, we can jump into the topic because, um, I will let you actually eat your lunch because you and I, um, this is an interesting episode. You and I recorded this episode back in October when it was fresh off the twin cities marathon and 10 miler. And, um, the idea for the topic, which is, um, how to achieve a PR or a personal record, or as our Canadian listeners say, a PB personal best. I talked to so many women in the twin cities who, um, set a personal record for either the 10 miler or the marathon. And I was like, Oh, we got to like tap into them while it's still fresh. So that's what you and I did. We talked to these three gals who nailed their PR and could kind of find out how they achieved it both in their training and in the race itself. So after this short break, you and I will uh, time travel back to October and talk to these three PR nabbing gals. Stay tuned. One random fact that was unintentional, each of these three mother runners represents a different decade, one in her 50s, one in her 40s, and the other in her 30s. Our first guest is Kathy Bray, a 50-something mother of two young men. Kathy is an attorney in Duluth, Minnesota. She set a personal best in the Twin Cities 10-miler, besting her previous time from 11 years ago. Welcome to the show, Kathy. Thanks so much for having me. I'm happy to be here. (laughs) So before we dive into your race, tell us about your journey on becoming a runner. Uh, it started back in high school, where I was fortunate enough to run uh, run for a small town uh, cross country and track team, where you could be in the band, you could be in debate, you could be in sports as well. And so I was introduced to running there, and uh, wasn't fast necessarily, but got the grounding that when I was in my early 30s and my youngest was three years old, I got back to it by uh, tackling a half marathon, one of our local uh, half marathons mm. with the Gary Bjorkland. And have been running on and off since then, but more on than off lately. And uh, I think the empty nesting frees up a little bit of time, which helps too. So I really give a shout out to all those mother runners with littles out there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. So Kathy, tell us about your race this past weekend, your 10 miler. Well, I have to say thanks to the Train Like a Mother Club with uh, the Stride into the Summer program because they had some guaranteed entries for the TC10. And I hadn't actually had this one on my radar because it had been 11 years. I had only run it once back in 2007. But I thought, oh, what the heck, I'll, I'll put my name in for a drawing for that. <laughs> so when I got it, I thought, well, it was meant to be. And uh, it was a perfect perfect day for a run and uh, was really happy to have had the chance to sort of revisit that journey and tackle that 10 mile distance again. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So 
I'm going to bust on you because you like really take the sandbagging cake. You know, I saw you at the expo and you were, you were telling Dimity and me like, oh, you know, now that I'm, you know, have turned 50, I just, you know, I'm just really grateful to be out there. I've re- left speed behind, you know, blah, blah. I'm like, oh, she's my soul sister. Yeah, I, you're preaching the choir here. <laughs> <laughs> and then, then you know, then I, then we see you out there at the cheering station. You're like, "Yeah, I PR'd." I'm like, "That was all." Just... <laughs> so well, that was a lot. You got to understand, you can do both. You can be grateful for the mile you're in, and and yet dig a little deep and say, "Hey, if you're feeling good and you know you've got the training behind you, go for it." <laughs> Not nicely <But> I... said. <laughs> <laughs> I do. I do think it's important that. One thing we talked about with some of my friends who I run with, we were we we're talking about how so many races you throw away and forget to appreciate what you mm. accomplished, either through the training or through the race itself, because you had a bad day or you had a bad mile and you, you can't PR every race or you aren't going to have every race that's good. And so we talked about while we were running, it was a couple of weeks before this race, how no matter what happens, you got to be grateful for the run. You got to be grateful you're out there moving forward, that you get to do this. And so I was sincere when I saw you at the expo and met you guys <laughs> for the first time and really grateful for just rediscovering that. I, I think the, the gratitude of, of being healthy and being able to move that body forward at any speed, at any pace, but also at the same time, you know, challenge yourself and, and mm-hmm. find some of those opportunities where you dig a little deeper, where you say, what am I capable of? And as, as I turned 50, that was the year I tackled my one and done marathon. And yet you, there's other ways to rediscover those, those personal bests at, at different stages of life. And it might be as I tackle 5Ks and 10Ks now, it's my, what is my PR for my 50s instead of what was my PR for my 30s? But this was a PR period for the 10 mile, and that helped that I'd only run it once before. But it was a solid PR. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, yep. that, that is so fun. That's so fun to PR in your 50s, seeing somebody who's also in her 50s and also grateful for every time I can still get out there. Um, and I would like to back up a little bit and ask you about your training because 10 miles isn't really that common of a race distance, although I also I love it too. Did you use yeah. a half marathon training plan? I did. I did. Once once I got the guaranteed entry and, and got signed up, I thought, well, let's let's approach this with some methodology, especially in the summer. I'm not a hot weather runner. I'd rather add layers than try and figure out a way to take layers off that I don't have left to take off. So... <laughs> I, I signed up for the train like a mother run plan for the half and then just on some of those longer uh, distances shaved off a little. You know, I didn't need a 14er. I did 112. Um, I did a couple of, of 10s, a lot of 8s and 9s. Um, but it was great, great structure. I really give a shout out to the fact that it's not just about running. It's reminding us we need that strengthening. And I, I've gotten better about adding those those cross-training, strengthening workouts and telling myself, hey, you've got time for an SSSC. You've got time for, you know, the 15-minute change things up, the circuit run where you add those little things in. And I really do think that made a difference both psychologically and in terms of how I felt powering up those hills uh, at the TC10 Mm -hmm. because there are some hills and there's a nice long incline there in the middle. And I do think that made a huge difference in terms of being able to get out of my head 
and and to be able to trust the training. And I think that's the biggest thing that having a training plan does is it it allows you to trust the training even when you want to say, ah, I I I, I quit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So so you felt good coming into the race then? I did. I felt really good coming in the race. I, I listen to my body, and I think especially as I get older, if I feel tired, not just the tired I don't want to get out there, but I'm, I'm feeling run down, you back off. So you didn't finish that last mile that was on your training plan that day. It's better than getting sick. Um, you feel a little twinge. You know, you, you pull a hamstring maybe a tad bit. Back off. Um, luckily, I didn't have any injuries or anything, but I think it's still that listening to your body and, and arriving at the starting line, then waking up and knowing it's not raining, it's low 40s, it's not going to swing more than a couple degrees during the race, you don't get race days much better than that. Yeah, really. That sounds like that's like you, that's the day that we all pray to the weather gods for. Um, <laughs> it, did, it, did it help you feel confident going in to the start? It, it did. I think I – think, that, that mindset is such a huge part of it. When you're standing on the, the starting line, you're saying, I've got the ability to shoot for that old PR goal. And mm-hmm. I've got the training. I've got the weather. I've got the mindset. Let's go for it. What's the worst thing that can happen? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you definitely started out the race with that. It wasn't something that came to you in the middle when you were feeling good. Right, right. I, mm-hmm. I had been training in a couple of the, the runs where there were some tempo pickups or things. I was running those mid-miles at race pace and knowing it was going to be a stretch for me, but given what my 5K times were over the summer, it was within, uh, I think, an achievable goal according to those race pace calculators and things. It wasn't going to necessarily be easy for me, especially when there's some hills on the course. Mm-hmm. Um, but I knew if I trusted the training and got out of my head, and I have to say, I feel like in another mother, um, endorsement, um, uh, hiree here, but those aftershocks <laughs> headphones, it was only the second time I've run with aftershocks in a race with any headphones oh. in a race. I never used to run with music, but I did run with them. And I think that really helped me when I wanted to sort of get in the head and say, well, maybe you can walk through this water stop and you know, do you really need it? You, you still get the same metal and t-shirt. It helped me get back and focus and say, trust the training, get out of your head and keep going. Uh-huh. Yeah. 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 So, okay. So you've alluded to, you know, the fact that there's um, some climb out there on the hill and the music. And so you got to share the story of how um, a sp- specific um, soundtrack um, <laughs> helped you up a, a notoriously long incline in the race. And I do want to say to people who are considering Twin City race, it's, I don't really think of it so much as a hill, but it's just no. a long incline. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's true. I, I shouldn't mislead people. It's, it's a very doable, um, mm-hmm. I, I think, I, I wouldn't consider it a hilly race whatsoever. Mm-hmm. But from miles four to seven, there is a, there's a pretty steady incline. Um, mm-hmm. it, it's out there. And so it, you're not going to typically run your fastest miles for those middle three, and you have to keep that in mind. Mm-hmm. So I knew that I needed something to keep me within target of that, that race pace I wanted if I was going to PR. So I pulled five of my favorite Hamilton songs because I had seen the show a few <laughs> weeks earlier when it came through Minneapolis. And it it really was perfect timing. And I had never created a playlist that timed itself with different segments of the list with the oh. race as I had uh-huh. this time. Usually uh-huh. I just put it on shuffle, uh-huh. you know. 
favorite songs. So this one, I spent some time obsessing about trying to rearrange the songs so they'd come up at the times I needed them the most. And so this one in miles five and six, I had five of my favorite Hamilton songs in it. It was okay. Sort of perfect okay, then was, then you gotta sh- you gotta share what the five favorite ha- Hamilton songs are if you can remember them off the top. Yeah, of your head. well, um, it was uh, "Wait for It." Uh, uh-huh, not gonna uh. not gonna throw away my shot, which was perfect in terms of the fact I wanted to go for my PR. Um, uh-huh. it, there was the Yorktown, because so I could you know just pump my arms and yell Lafayette <laughs> while powering up the hill, <laughs> and I mean a couple others, but it was it was sort of fun because I had some more mellow ones in the beginning just sort of motivational stuff to, to get the race started but what I mm-hmm. love about those aftershocks is that as I run through the Medtronic tunnel I, I get mm. to enjoy the race I get to hear the Medtronic music I get to hear at the one aid station where they had a group of guys doing cheerleader style chants about you are great <laughs> um, as people ran by you get to you, you get to do that you get to do the little high fives with the kids who are about waist high you know running through it so you don't get in your your head so much that you miss yeah, you're not in your own bubble yeah mm-hmm. and I think that's so important because it's really part of the joy of of this race because the spectator support at the Twin Cities races are amazing yeah yeah definitely yeah hey Kathy you sound like you you really um approached this methodically and 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 um a very smart uh, training and thinking before the race. And, and um, I saw that you had uh, borrowed a line from coach Amanda during the race saying, don't take the deal, um, which is a line I love. Uh, Can you tell us about when and why you told yourself that? Well, it was something that has come up in an earlier, earlier podcast as well um, with coach Amanda. And then at the expo talk, I sat and listened to the expo talk. And, and both Dimity and Sarah echoed back to that. And it's that point of the race, or it's, and sometimes there's multiple points where your head says, take the deal. You really don't need that PR, or you really don't need to hurt, or you really don't need to push yourself. And that's fine. You know, it, it's whatever you're out there for, I think it's, you know, if you want to be cute, that's awesome. If you want to just go out there and finish the race, get, get your t-shirt, have high fives, that's awesome too. And I think what it is is not taking whatever deal you've made with yourself along the way. So, for example, I I don't like to sit and obsess about my watch during a race, but I knew I wanted to try and do a negative split because the last mm-hmm. three miles of this race are flat or downhill. And so you have the ability to easily negative split if, if you run it smart and don't go out too fast. But mile three has a bit of a hill on this race with the TC-10, and I looked at my watch at that split, and I was about 30 seconds slower than what I thought I had cushioned to do for that race. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I remember looking at it, and I thought, oh, my gosh, how could my legs have slowed down that much? And in my mind, I'm thinking, take the deal. You, mm-hmm. you don't need to, to, to push yourself so hard. It's really not that important. So what if it's not a PR? You just lost 30 mm-hmm. seconds. I mean, all this is going through your mind. Take the deal. Take the deal. Just, just enjoy it. And, and I thought, no, I'm not going to take the deal. I'm, I'm, I trust Coach Amanda's training. I trust my training. <laughs> I trust everything I put into this. And I don't know how many more opportunities I'll have to tackle this, this goal because we do slow down typically as we get older. And these race days don't come along all the time. And, mm-hmm. and I just thought, no, don't take the deal. And then it was about mile close to that top of that three-mile incline 
where I was getting tired and it was trying to hit my race pace as close as possible with those three slight incline miles was sort of wearing on me. And I kept thinking, mm-hmm. no, don't take the deal. You hit mile seven and you're going to start flattening and going downhill and, and Hamilton's playing. Come on, go, go, go. <laughs> so, you know, I think, I think it's that moment where you want to just bury yourself in your head and you're having it's that classic little angel devil on your opposite shoulders screaming at each other. Take it. No, take it. No, take it. No. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my goodness. Okay. So then, so then you reach that crest and I know that your final mile was by far your fastest. So tell us sort of to, um, you know, run us through that. Yeah, I was pretty pleased with myself and I was second wind by the end of that last mile. Um, <laughs> but I ran a, like a 10.33 average pace, and I ended up PRing by over 30 seconds from my old PR. Um, wow. So I was pretty proud of that because my 5K pace is right now, if I get a 9 in front of my 5K race pace, I'm thrilled. So to mm-hmm. have a 10.33 for the 10 mile, I was really, really proud of myself. But my last, my last mile was I think a 9.20 or under, because I had a little mm. bit longer on my Garmin, so I'm not sure how the actual split came up, but my last ten, full mile was a 9.18, and I know my last point one on my Garmin was even faster than that, which, hey, man, these little legs were churning. <laughs> 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 but you come down, you come over that crest by, by the University Hill, and you see the basilica, you see the capital in the distance, you see the flag right yeah. in front of the finish line, And it is just so inspiring. And you know you've got it, and you're just saying, dig, 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 all the way to the finish line. And all I could think was, I want to ring ring that PR bell that I know is at the end there. (laughs) (laughs) That was your carrot. (laughs) Exactly, exactly. That is that's so cool. Well, congratulations! That's the best way to finish a race, having that fast. The last mile be the fastest, and you can just you can like ride off that high for weeks and weeks afterwards. <laughs> exactly. Um, you just tell anyone who wants to hear, or even if they don't want to hear, you tell them about yeah. the race. <laughs> <laughs> I brought my medal to my meeting Monday morning. I'm going. Did you all know it's Medal Monday? <laughs> it's so funny. I, I saw that on your Instagram feed. I'm like, oh, is that a real thing? We're going to have to instigate that. And I thought that might just be a Kathy thing. I don't yeah. know. <laughs> I, I think we should start it. Yeah, I think so now. too. Yeah, <laughs> right. That's right. <laughs> hey, Kathy, um, do you have something coming up on your race calendar? You know, for now, nothing big. I did sign up for the AMR retreat. So I think I may tackle one more or two more half. I did sign up for grandma's half marathon too. I think that was a moment of peer pressure where I wasn't thinking straight. Um, (laughs) Seven weeks after the Eau Claire half, but I haven't run a half since 2010 other than my full in 2016. And I thought I have one or two halves left in me. And and I thought the retreat was a great way to gear up for that, but I'll, I'll do some shorter distances in the meantime. And um, just, work on strengthening too. I think working on that core is, is going to be really helpful. Awesome. Awesome. Well, great talking with you again, Kathy. And it was so much fun hanging out with you at the race and cheering and getting to hear about your race. So thanks for sharing with us. Oh, and thanks to, to AMR and for all their great supportive resources and uh, helping us to remember having many happy miles. Oh, you're sweet. Thanks, Kathy. Thanks guys. Bye-bye. 
Next up is Christina Ashtiani, a mother of three and a real estate agent in beautiful Coeur d'Alene, Idaho. Christina set a 13-minute PR in the Twin Cities Marathon. Delighted to have you on the podcast, Christina. Thanks, Sarah. Glad to be here. So, okay, okay, forget running for just a sec. (laughs) I want to know how you got to meet members of Duran Duran a few years ago. Um, I was, I was perusing your Facebook page to be reminded of how many kids you have. And there you are in photos with who I swear is Simon LeBond and John Taylor. What is up with that? It is. So one of my very good friends since I've known since seventh grade, Monica, she's a huge fan. And so she got these backstage passes and (laughs) yeah, and we were the only ones backstage. I don't know how long it. And so, yeah, it was the most incredible experience. Um, so yeah, so we just got to meet them and take pictures and it was great. Oh my gosh. And they were good in concert, were they? Yeah. Very good. A lot of fun. Oh my gosh. I bought their EP, uh, their eponymous EP just because of how cute they were on the album cover. Like I'm like, I don't care how they sound. Those dudes are hot. (laughs) Oh yeah. In junior high. Oh my gosh. Oh yeah. So, Christina, this is Tish, and I and I hate to have to bring us back down to planet Earth, but can you tell us about? I want to ask you some running questions. Um, can you tell okay. us about how you became a runner? Um, I started running probably when I turned forty. Um, right now, I'm forty nine, so I've been running for about nine years, and I didn't really get into distance running until probably six years ago when my husband passed away. Um, so it's just a way for me to get out and just kind of breathe and just kind of get out of my situation for a little bit. Um, so then I just fell in love with distance running. It was just my way of escaping and coping. And I love it now. I think a lot of people can relate to using running as a way to get out of uh, whatever sadness that we're dealing with. Um, And so I'm glad you found running as a way to do that. And I also hear you set a pretty big PR um, this past weekend, taking 13 minutes off your time. I did. That's pretty sweet. Yeah, I was super happy. Um, Tell us a bit about the race. Um, so it was, um, the temperatures were pretty much where I'm used to training in, in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho. So that wasn't a big deal for me. Um, it was just at the start, um, I met up with a bunch of bammers, which was great. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I lined up in my corral. I'm kind of back at the pack runner when it comes to distance. Um, so I lined up in corral three and I saw the 5:30 pacer and I thought, okay, 5.30, so that's like a 12.30 pace per mile. And I thought, okay, well, that's usually what I do on my training runs. So I'm going to stick with them as long as I can. Mm-hmm. And I stuck with them until about, I would say, mile 19. And then I kind of pulled it back a little bit. My hips were getting tired. and um, But I just you know, kept looking at my watch and thinking, okay, I'm still good. I'm still going to you know, finish on time. And then by about mile 25... I could hear this woman on the sideline saying, you're going to turn the corner and you're going to see the finish line and it's downhill. Mm. And I thought, great, I'm going to see how much gas I got in the tank and I'm just going to go for it. So I just put my head down and just went 
and it was great. And I could just, I was just passing people one by one. And I remember Sage Roundtree at the Spokane retreat, she said, every time you pass somebody, you're taking a little bit of their energy. <laughs> and that's exactly what it felt like. It was awesome. And then I just, yeah, I finished strong and it was great. I love the the energy vampire. Uh, that that's that message seems to have stuck with a lot of people. So yes, yeah. So so yeah, that was the it was a great race. It was beautiful course. Um, I would definitely do it again. Yeah, yeah. So well, thanks to social media and marathonguide.com. I know Twin Cities was your second marathon, and your first was the 2016 Portland Marathon which is a course obviously that I'm familiar with as well. Um, So in your mind, how do the courses compare and how did you choose Twin Cities? Because geography is not my strong suit, but it seems to me that Coeur d'Alene and St. Paul aren't right next to each other. No, (laughs) Um, I really, I enjoy running races in different areas. So I liked that. Um, I chose Twin Cities because it's an October marathon and I can train here during the summer, which is pretty doable. Mm -hmm. Um, I can't really train for a marathon during the winter, so I, I don't, I won't choose a spring marathon. Um, and then I just chose Twin Cities because, you know, you and Dimity talk so much about it, of course, and how (laughs) beautiful it is. Uh Um, so I was deciding between that and Chicago and I decided on Twin Cities, I think the size is a perfect size for me. Mm-hmm. Um, there was so much crowd support. Yeah. Um, and so that's kind of, I just heard really good things about it. So that's why I chose Twin Cities. Mm-hmm. And how, how do you like the terrain? Cause I mean, um, you know, neither one of them's a flat course, Portland and Twin Cities, but Twin Cities definitely has that, you know, the, the gradual incline up summit for numerous miles, whereas Portland yes. at the, for most years just has one, one climb in it that's over pretty quickly. Right. Um, yeah, I, I didn't find twins. I found Portland harder, but when I did the Portland marathon, it rained the whole time. Mm-hmm. There was not a lot of crowd support on the course because people yep. probably didn't want to stand out in the rain. Oh no. It's um, just, just cause Portland's a lame city for supporting its marathon. Yeah. I'm just gonna, it's pretty much the only knock I have against my town. So yeah. 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 <laughs> so I was pretty disappointed in that one. So I thought, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to try, I'm going to go for twin cities. Um, and I was so happy I did. It did not disappoint. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So for this, your second marathon, did you do anything different in your training this time from the time before? So for the time before, I decided to do the heart rate training plan just to get me the distance. I didn't care about time or anything. Um, and so that was great. Um, I felt good. So this time I wanted to try something a little bit different. So I went with Coach Amanda's um, Crush It training plan. Mm -hmm. And I focused a little bit more on strength than I did the first time. So I did, um, you know, her uh, prehab, I did Dimity's strength training workouts, and I did the SSSCs. Mm -hmm. Um, But I didn't do them consistently, but I did them more often than I did the first time. And I think that really helped a lot. Mm-hmm. I'm sensing a theme. The uh, Kathy, the last guest, was saying that the strength really seemed to make a difference for her too. So, um, so, so, what elements of the race, like, would you also say 
contributed to you running a stronger race. The terrain, you already mentioned the crowd support, which I just have to say, I just love the crowd support in Twin Cities. People people seem really engaged and really knowledgeable, you know, like, you know, like that woman saying, oh, you just turn this corner and then it's downhill. You know, that's like exactly what a runner needs to hear. So, so, so what were some other elements that you feel contributed to you running a stronger race? Um, so this is kind of funny. So I ran into, um, Stephanie, another mother runner, um, uh-huh. at the VIP tent and she says, Oh yeah, Dimity is going to be at, I think mile 23 and they're going to have signs and cheering. And I'm like, Oh, great. That's perfect. Cause that's really when I have a hard time, mile 22, 23. Uh-huh. So in my mind, I'm thinking, okay, I just have to uh-huh. run you know, uh-huh. mile 23. And then I only have, you know, three miles left. And so I get to mile 23 and we're not there. We're not there. (laughs) Oh, I feel so bad. We waited for, we waited for Kate Walton to come by and she probably had a five hour finish. (laughs) Oh, oh, the guilt, the guilt. (laughs) No, but it was, it was still good because I'm like, okay, mile 24. I'm like, well, it's fine. I've only got three miles left. So um, even though you weren't there, it kind of motivated me, motivated me to get there to mile uh-huh. 23. And oh, then, um, yeah. <laughs> we just kept moving the finish line then. <laughs> I figured you guys had to get home. So it was fine. But I, I, I think it did motivate me, you know, thinking you guys were going to be there. And so I just, I kept strong and yeah. <laughs> we need cardboard cutouts and a little recording. Um, Cause Dim had to get to the airport and it, the temperature had started to drop some. And I yeah. don't know, it, I just start, uh, so we're just lame. No. That's all there is to it. Yeah. No, no, it was fine, but no, it was, I just thought it was funny. <laughs> you get to 23, you're like, bullshit. This is crazy. They're not here. <laughs> no, I didn't think that. I just thought, Oh, okay. I figured it was cold. You guys had to get home and I'm at like the back of the pack. So yeah. <laughs> Hey, Christina, you mentioned earlier that you um, uh, ran with a pace group, and I'm curious about that. Um, did you, how did you decide to go with them, and what was it like? So I just thought, I just figured, you know, maybe, you know, I won't have to pay so much attention to my watch. I can just kind of follow the pace group. And like I said, their pace for, so for a 5.30 finish time, their pace would have been about 1230 a mile. And that was kind of what I was running during my training plan. Um, so I thought, okay, I'm just going to hang with them as long as I could. And that's kind of what I did. I really didn't have to think much. Um, I just followed them and there was kind of a good group of us and we were chit chatting and it was, you know, and then people on the sidelines would, you know, yell, go 530. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was, it was good. That's kind of why I chose a pace group. Um, I had run with a pace group and a half marathon before and did mm-hmm. well. Mm-hmm. Um, so then I thought, well, I'll try it and see what happens. And it, it worked well. Mm. Yeah. I'm just always concerned that they're going to like go out at a consistent pace and that's not my style. And so I just, saw I've run one, I ran part of a Disney race with a pace group, but other than that, I'm always a little wary of, of doing it. So I'm glad you had a good experience. Yeah, I know. I've heard stories like, oh, the pacer was too fast in the beginning, and then they had to slow way down at the end. So yeah, but this guy was really good. So it it was fine for me. Oh, good, good. So from photos, it looks like you were not wearing the Aftershocks Bluetooth headphones that you got at our Ogden retreat. (laughs) Um, So so no music for you in the race? Um, No, there was music. I just had different pair of headphones. I know, (gasps) I have to... I have to try those aftershocks. I have them on my desk and I, yeah. Oh, I know. woman. Oh my gosh. Just, 
YouTube, how to set them up. And then you'll just, you know, then you're going to be writing us profuse thanks and you'll forgive us for not being at mile 23. So, yeah. Okay. (laughs) So I will will start using them and get used to them. So then I can use them all the time. Yeah. 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 So you did listen to music and I did. And did you have a playlist or how, how do you use music to motivate you? Um, I have a playlist. Um, yeah, it's kind of got all different music, some slow, some, some rap music, some, Uh yeah, Uh all different kinds. (laughs) So, um, a 13 minute PR is, is pretty big. Are you still riding high off of it? Oh yeah. Yeah. I'm still, you know, telling everybody about my marathon. They're probably getting tired of hearing about it, but (laughs) I was super excited. (laughs) And and has it motivated you to sign up for another one? You know, it's funny. So I was thinking, okay, this is going to be, you know, my last marathon. I only wanted to do one more before I turned 50. So this was it. And I thought, okay, I PR'd. And so I got back to the room and I was going to, you know, post on social media and I noticed Kim's post and she's mm-hmm. ringing this PR bell. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I forgot to ring the PR bell. <laughs> <laughs> so then I thought, damn, now I have to run another marathon PR so I can ring the bell. <laughs> it was, I was so excited. I was like, okay, I know Kim had, cause I did, I saw Kim's and then I knew Kathy had one. I'm like, okay, Christina, don't disappoint me. Let's see it. And then you sent the pictures and you're like, I forgot to ring the bell. I'm like, ah, did. I was so bummed. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. You go to ride the shuttle back all the way. Can I <laughs> ring the bell now? I'm showered. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> oh my goodness. So I don't know. I don't even know also if all marathons have PR bells, do they? I'm I've never heard of what... a PR bell. I think that sounds like I a great know. idea though. I love it. I know. I think there's, there, I think like Steamtown, I want to say has one. And I think there's a couple, but I was, I was surprised by how, you know, kind of front and center it seemed at Twin Cities. So, um, so I don't yeah. know. I think you might have to repeat Twin Cities then, Christina. I know. And I don't even know where the PR bell was. You know, you finish the race, you've got the blanket, you're trying to hold on to the blanket, you've mm-hmm. got your gear bag, you've got your chocolate milk, your snacks. Yep, 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 yep. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm just kind of wandering around. And yeah, I just completely, I didn't even see it. I know, I know. They need a big sign. Have this to, way have to, to the whack PR the bell, bell with your head because you don't have a free yeah. hand. <laughs> I know, exactly. <laughs> Oh my goodness. Well, congratulations again, Christina, and thanks for joining us. Thanks, Sarah. <laughs> Bye-bye. Okay. Bye, Tish. Bye. Our final PR is Kimberly Truesdell, a freelance writer and group fitness instructor who is a mom of two young boys in Fort Wayne, Indiana. One of our BAM ambassadors, Kim broke four hours in the Twin Cities Marathon, and I can attest she was looking strong and steady when she breezed past us at mile 23.5 when we were still out there. Um, uh, uh, Kim bested her previous marathon time by more than 15 minutes, another massive PR. Um, Thanks for joining us, Kim. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited. So, Kim, I understand that you not only took 15 minutes off of your previous marathon time, congratulations, but that you also Thank have you. been on quite a, quite a journey, a, um, a running journey and also a weight loss journey. Can you tell us a little bit about your story? Yes. Yeah, so I started running in 2009 following the Couch to 5K program encouraged by my husband. And it was a way for me to continue to lose weight. 
over the course of five years, I lost about 120 pounds, most of which I've kept off through two pregnancies, thanks to running. Mm -hmm. And so I really started with a little bit of running, a lot of walking, and just slowly building up. I ran my first half marathon in 2010 and then have been hooked ever since. That is incredibly awesome. Uh, congratulations. That's, that's not easy to do. <laughs> Um, it's really impressive. Uh, so you mentioned pregnancies when you had your, you have two boys, is that right? Um, That's correct. Seven yeah. Uh, was it hard to come back, uh, into running after you had your, your second son? It was not per really, I had C-sections with both of them. So I really had to take my time to let my body heal, to get stronger but I was always very excited with both pregnancies. I had been targeting a race after the baby was born to keep my eyes on the prize, so to speak, but also to keep my sanity. <laughs> Don't know what you're talking about. Not at all. Yeah, at all. yeah. We're all, we're all <laughs> nodding, nodding, nodding. <laughs> so, but how about the physical part of, of coming back then? How was that for you? Um, physically, it took a while to get my core strength back. As I, you mentioned, I teach some fitness classes and I feel like it took me a good year after my second son to feel like I could do most of the core exercises and core work without any pain, especially in my lower abdominals mm -hmm. from where the C-section scar was. Mm -hmm. But then it also took a while for me to fall back in the groove speed wise. I felt like that first year was just slow going. And though I did you know, continue to race and participate in events around um, my community, you know, I wasn't always seeing the progress that I wanted. And so it's really only been in the past year since he turned two that I felt like everything started to click training wise mm -hmm. and time wise and not being tied to his schedule per se. Mm -hmm. We're, we no longer nap in this house. So that's no longer an issue. <laughs> oh my goodness. So, okay. So I have to say that uh, your finish time was exactly the same as my most recent speedy marathon, 3.56.54. So um, I felt a certain connection to you there. <laughs> um, and uh, I know that that wasn't as fast as you'd hoped, but um, talk us through the race in a, you know, um, paragraph or two, and we'll dive into some details later. Okay, so I had ran a pretty fast half for me in the fall or in the spring. And so it made me think that I could try to break 350. But at Twin Cities, they only have pacers for 345 and four. So I decided to really jump in with the training plan. I followed the train like a mother club crush it plan. Mm -hmm. And so my goal was to kind of side up with the 345 pacer and see what happened. But as life as life has taught me, I always go out too fast. And mm -hmm. so I kind of left him around mile three. And then I think when I looked at my splits, it was around mile 17 or 18 where things, I wouldn't say fell apart, but things started to change. And then anyone who is familiar with the Twin Cities course will know that the hills come around miles 20, 21. Mm -hmm. And I really had to refocus there um, to continue staying strong and continue to stay on task because more than anything, the sub four marathon has been elusive to me. And that overall was my primary goal. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, Kim, how, how many marathons have you run now? So this was number six, although I will say two of the marathons, for lack of a better way, 
were more like training runs. I did some 50 Ks last year. And so I used a couple marathons as just long training runs. Well, so congratulations the- on getting under four. That's, that's, that's a really exciting accomplishment. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Thank you so much. Yeah. Yeah. So, so um, we've met, already mentioned that race conditions were ideal, dry, temps in the 40s, only light wind, overcast skies. So how much did the weather help you keep the pedal down? I think the weather was um, crucial. I Training in Indiana, as I'm sure some of the other guests have mentioned, not necessarily being in Indiana, it was very hot and humid. Mm-hmm. And so just having the cool breeze, even though it wasn't that hot, you know, strong mm-hmm. was really helpful. And you weren't weighed down by too many layers, but you weren't dripping in sweat either. So it was amazing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I think all of us who have run a marathon or listened to someone talk about running a marathon are, are sympathetic to like the wheels starting to come off the bus around mile 17 or 18, which is like, it's like a little early for things to start, start falling apart. Um, but I'm very sympathetic to that. And I'm curious about how, like what kind of mental tricks you use to keep yourself in the game. So my husband has always said that as long as my head is in the game, that, you know, everything else I've done the work. And so I read Dina Castor's book mm-hmm. earlier this year. And so that was really instrumental when I would see somebody with a song that, sign that said, you look strong. And I was like, I don't look strong. I am strong. Nice. And one of the other things was my husband had had Relentless printed on my bib. And I'm kind of walking up this hill around 21, 22. And this woman was like, you're relentless. You've got this. And I was like, yes, yes, I do. And so I high-fived her. I high-fived her daughter. And I was like, I'm going to lock this in. And I just kept reminding myself that nothing in life and running is a given and you really have to work for it. And if I wanted something, I was going to have to really just charge ahead. Awesome. Awesome. So um, how do you feel your fueling and hydration help you achieve your sub four goal? So the pacer when we were kind of waiting for the start was really mindful to tell everybody even though the weather is great, you really have to continue to drink and start drinking early. So I was very conscientious to start drinking right away, taking water at every stop, um, even if I was splashing it on myself. And then as it got later, I walked through a couple of the water stops to make sure I was getting, you know, a couple cups in. My plan fueling wise was to take four gels at five and a half, 11, 16 and a half and 22. Mm. And so when I got to 22, I had noticed that my last goo had fallen off my race belt. And I was, what am I going to do? You have that moment of panic. Uh But thankfully, so many people along the course had bananas and oranges. And I'm kind of running past a family. And they go, do you want fruit snacks? And I was like, well, yes, I will. Thank you so much. (laughs) And, you know, it was kind of fun because I could imagine my boys handing out fruit snacks yeah, you know, yeah. to people, I mean, in between, like one for you, one for me. Uh, so that was really helpful. I might've tried to maybe take a little more in. I feel like it's a hard sell between four and five gels in a marathon. Yeah. I got to say, I'm surprised. I mean, to me, four seems like not very, not very many calories in during the race. Yeah. I think they say 45 minutes. Mm-hmm. And so I couldn't, 
really decide. And I think I'm always a little wary to put too much in my stomach Mm -hmm. as to cause GI stress. Mm -hmm. But I think next time around, I'm definitely going to go for five. Mm -hmm. So, and you, uh, you mentioned getting the fruit snacks from the family. I mean, um, how'd you feel about the crowd support? I have never raced a race like that. It was so amazing. I don't remember a single spot on that course where there wasn't somebody playing. And even under underpasses, there were bands playing. Mm-hmm. It was just so much fun. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's one, I don't know if you saw them, they were on the um, runner's left. And it was this, they to me look like husband and wife and they look, look like total aging hip hippies. And um, he was playing an electric guitar and she was playing a tambourine. And it was just the tambourine just slayed me. It was so Tracy from the Partridge family, but she was like, just so intent on it. <laughs> I don't know if I saw her, but there were some musical instruments in my runner's post-marathon fog. I can't remember. And I was like, well, that, that is interesting. Usually you're used to seeing live bands with guitars or whatnot, uh, yeah, but yeah, right. there's a bunch of trombones and look, someone has, <laughs> has a clarinet. I swear it was a ukulele. <laughs> and I was like, I don't know if that's right. Oh, we love a good ukulele here in Portland. It's quite a popular <laughs> instrument. So. <laughs> so Kim, this was, was Twin Cities a, is a pretty big and well-supported marathon, but I, I understand you've done uh, some smaller marathons in the past. Correct. So uh, my first marathon was in Columbus, Ohio, which is a pretty well-sized race, very well supported, and I enjoyed it a lot. Uh, But I've done a local marathon here that probably has less than 500 finishers and very little course support. Um, And then also a local marathon here that is fairly decent size for Northeast Indiana, but by no means close to what Twin Cities is. And so I was a little nervous about finding my own space and Mm -hmm. being able to run, you know, because you hear about some of the really big races where you should never shoot for a PR there. But I felt like Twin Cities was a great size um, because there was always somebody around me, but I didn't feel like I was elbowing other people as well. And I also find that you can find your space really soon after the start. It's not like you have to wait until mile three or four for things to kind of clear out. Like I've no, not at all. Like Mm -hmm. I ran the Indianapolis monumental and I felt like I was elbowing people and tripping people still at mile four. Oh, oh. Tish, have you ever done twin cities? I have not, but I'm going to have to do it after talking. I know. I I was thinking, (laughs) I was suddenly thinking that I suddenly thought, wait a minute, Tish has got to do twin cities. I mean, (laughs) it, it, it's, it sounds great. It is, it is, and I mean Sunday. You know, okay, sure, it would have been nice maybe for spectators if there had been some, some, a little bit of sunshine. But I mean, it was it was pretty much ideal that day, and just the 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 support there is so friendly, and I just love how yeah they're having parties, but it seems like all the attention is on the racers and giving them what they need, not being like yeah man, put the burgers on and you know give me another brew, you know. So I don't know. <laughs> Just the amount of people handing out things. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that's so right. It was a party, but I've run races where there's beer shots every mile. Mm -hmm. And it was much more, how can I better help you run your race? And I saw, I think I was at Mall of America in a shirt that said Minnesota Nice. And I felt like that summed up the entire trip from the race Mm -hmm. to the expo. It is. It is. Yeah. Our shirt from the race last year was... uh many Minnesota nice miles. So, um, it is, it's there, there's a reason that saying is propagated. Um, so, um, 
So do you feel that the Twin Cities is, you know, as I've said on the podcast, it's not an exceptionally hilly marathon, but, you know, as you talked about the from mile about 20 to 24, that summit is real. It's an incline. Um, do you feel that um, the train helped you or do you think you would have gone faster on a flatter course? I think there's always that coulda, woulda, shoulda. <laughs> and um, maybe I could have, but maybe I would have been, you know, more inclined to try to push it because I still feel like there are some good rolling hills mm-hmm. in the beginning of the race as well. Uh, I think for me coming from Indiana where I can gain a whole 50 feet of elevation <laughs> on a 20 foot, 20 mile run, <laughs> like any hill is going to be interesting to me, uh-huh. but it is nice to have that change in turnover and get to go down the hills. So mm-hmm. I love your choice of the word interesting. That's a very good uh, <laughs> non loaded adjective. <laughs> <laughs> We know what that's code for. (laughs) (laughs) It's like when I I used to uh, write copy for Lucy.com back in my previous life. And when something was really unusual and pretty much ugly, we'd call it unique. Um. (laughs) (laughs) Right. You never let your own flavor is bad. It's interesting. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So Kim, has this inspired you to to do another marathon or another race? Have you got anything on your calendar? So I don't have anything in particular. I'm kind of seeing how the spring shakes out. I was waiting to see how I did at this race. Um, so my seven-year-old kept going, well, does this mean you get to go to Boston? And oh. I was like, no, buddy, definitely not Boston. I need to be older and faster for that. But I am hungry to really kind of continue chipping away at that time. Uh, I know that something in the 350s is possible, but, you know, life and schedule can make it challenging. So I want to make sure that I have the space to really train for that. So I might look for a half marathon in the spring and I would love, love to be able to do twin cities again in the fall. Well, thanks for sharing your story, Kim. It was good talking with you again. Good talking with you as well. Many happy miles. You know, it's the way we sign off from this podcast, but you know what else? It is also the name of the plan that we just opened on the 28th of November And it is an antidote to so many of those questions, especially motivation and being ready to jump on a race plan. And so Many Happy Miles, it's a special year-long program, and it's motivation, workouts, challenges, webinars with guest speakers on a variety of topics, and discounts to keep you moving all throughout the year. It was developed by my genius cohort, Dimity, and the workouts and challenges abound with creativity and spark while ensuring you become a stronger, more well-rounded runner. So registration's open now through the end of the year, and then the program itself kicks off January 1st. So another motherrunner.com slash many happy miles. Our podcast today was produced in Portland, Oregon by Alex Ward from Sounds Like Pictures. And whatever race you're planning, many happy miles. Mm-hmm.